I am a, I was personally impacted by this good news, right? And whenever you're impacted by whatever news, it could be even a movie or whatever, you always share it. So I stand before you because I personally experienced the goodness of God and his faithfulness, and I wanted to be a verbal expression to encourage each and every one of you in this room. And before we get into my story and how I was personally impacted, I want us to get the objective of this message. So if you are someone that's writing on a paper or you have a mobile device, I believe that you need to write this down, right? You definitely need to write this down, and if not any of those devices or a paper, this needs to be upon your heart for the rest of your life. Uh, because understanding this gives us a perspective of what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So my objective is to remind us that trials are inevitable. It is something that you cannot escape. It is something that you, can, you have to partake of trials, right? Trials are inevitable, but so is victory. In Jesus, no matter what you go through, no matter how high the mountain may be or deep the valley may seem, there's always victory at the end of your trial. And many of us right now in this room may be facing trials or will face trials as believers. But the reminder is that, yes, trials is inevitable, but so is victory. So let's get into the scripture. We're going to read James 1, through, James 1, verse 1 through 12. And it reads, James, a servant of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in dispersion. Count it all a joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If, you, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. For the person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded, unstable in all his ways. And let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. And his beauties perishes, so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So before we get into the scripture, I, I want to share how I was personally impacted. So um, when I initially got married, this is about seven years ago, right? Within the first few months, my wife and I had separated, and through this separation, I was confused because I felt, man, if God desires for people to be married, why would anyone be separated? Why should, you know, somebody split up if this is what God designed? And uh, there was a lot of confusion, a lot of doubt, even disbelief at times. Uh, but when you have a community of believers, right, which is vitally important for your walk, when you surrender your life to Christ, you need a community where you can be developed and established, and through having this community, I understand that this trial that I was facing was only there to build me up. 
See, sometimes we give the enemy a lot of credit. We say, man, the devil is at work. The devil is at work. But little do we know that God is giving us situations to refine us. God wants to build us up. He wants to construct us. See, when we surrender our hearts to God, we're just people who are surrendered. But God desires to build us into the people that he created us to be. And the only way we can be this established people, these affirmed people, these people with the foundation, is when we face these trials. So you have me here now confused, but by the grace of God, I have leaders around me. I have people around me who are keeping me grounded, reminding me of God's promises, give, reminding me to stay steadfast in prayer, reminding me that this is a step that God wants to mold. God wants to mold me. He wants to develop me. He wants me to be this man who's speaking right now. See, if I didn't persevere through that trial, I wouldn't be in this position right now. But it's because of our perseverance. It's because we don't give up. It's because we don't look and say, why or God, just take me out. Instead, we say, you know what? Let your will be done. So trials are there to develop us. It developed me, and by the grace of God, I stood firm. I stood the race, and I have a beautiful wife that we reunited and two beautiful kids. And it all worked out because of his grace, because of his faithfulness. It wasn't anything that I did. I just remained. I just stood still. Instead of going to what he say or she say, I said, what does God say? And any wisdom that you're receiving, if it doesn't affirm or confirm with the word of God, then I would say flee from it. Because it's manly wisdom. Only God's wisdom gives us the foundation we need. Only the wisdom of God can keep us grounded in trials. You see, then James says, count it all a joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let the steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and lacking in nothing. And, you know, I love how um, James addresses this to his brothers, right, and his sisters. And it means that even though this was written and in that specific time, James is addressing each and every one of us in this room. It's not something that he wrote for a specific people then. He's writing it to encourage his brothers and sisters in this very room. And when he says this, he doesn't mean, hey, you know what, we have the same dad or we have the same mom. He said, no, in a spiritual sense, we all have surrendered our hearts to God. And because of that, we are now one. We have the same father through faith in Jesus. So as he addresses this, he's saying, hey, listen, we're a whole family. We have the same dad. It's by the grace of God that we are united now. And then he goes on to say, hey, you know what? Not if you face trials. He didn't question it. He said, when you face trials. So as mentioned in, in the objective, trials are inevitable. It's something that comes with the walk. It's how we get developed. You know, as babies, when babies to be, for babies to be developed, they need people around them to help them grow, to say, you know, don't touch the stove or, hey, don't eat this or don't eat that. And that's what James is saying. Hey, listen, this trial that you're going through is going to develop you to be that man or woman God created you to be. And through our unity in God, all of our trials will be different. It doesn't mean because we are the same, we are part of the same family, we have the same dad, that we're going to have the same trials. No, all of our trials will be different. Everything will look different for me. Uh, as we continue to, as I continue to go through trials, you know, it can be from marriage. It could be children, it could be uh, financial, it could even be emotional. We go through times of emotional trials. 
And instead of, I said before, instead of going out to other sources, it is only the word of God that can sustain us. It is the only the word of God that can refine us. It's only the word of God that can build us up and keep us grounded. If not, we will flee from the trials, running away from what God wants to do in our heart, what God wants to do in our life. So through trials, church, if we understand that God is trying to strengthen and mature us, we get developed. We get refined. But that is only if we understand that that's what trials are there for. And that's only if we know that it's only in God can we be refined. You'll become somebody's puppet or somebody's uh, replica if you don't get to the word of God. If you keep getting wisdom from what people say or, or what your friends say or what your dad say, if these things don't align with the word of God, they're not giving you the wisdom of God. They're making you an image of themselves. And you're not to create it to be an image of person. You're created in the image of God. The same wisdom that man will be giving you, it comes from God. So why not seek the creator than the thing that was created? Instead of asking God, why me? Why do I have to deal with this? Why, why would I have to struggle with this? Or why can't I be taken out of this? That's the time where all the you know, praising we praise and all the worshiping and all the knowledge and all the faith that we speak of, it has to come alive. Instead of questioning God, that's the time we have to, you know, show us, show God where the fruits are. The fruits of our salvation, the fruit of our faith, all those things that we speak of. In the midst of trials, instead of asking to get taken out, that's where we stand up and show and say, hey, you know what? This is where my faith stands. Our faith should be expressed within trials. And in that, people would say, man, how can you praise? How can you worship in a storm? It's thundering, it's raining, there's a whirlwind. How can you just stand still? And that gives us the opportunity to express the love of God, show his faithfulness, declare how good he is. And without me persevering, I couldn't stand upon this platform before you. God's faithfulness was revealed to me, so therefore, that's great news. You know, I've read about it in the Old Testament and I've read about it in the New Testament, but something happens when you experience it for yourself. It's great to say, hey, God, this, this, he, this, that, he did that back then, you know. He did that for that person. But it's something amazing when you say, God did it for me. Something happens. Something changes. It becomes even more believable because you're saying, listen, this is me. I was once here. I was here at this trial and now I'm here at the end. And look at me. Victory was shown. God is faithful, but that only comes when we stay committed, when we stay faithful to God. God's faithfulness cannot be revealed unless, to you personally, unless you experience it, right? And there's a saying, it says that you only learn from experience. You can't talk about something if you've never been through it. And it sounds all great, and guess what? People can read you, you know. They'll, they'll know when you're, when you're really, you know what I mean, speaking the truth and when you're just saying something just to say it. When you're saying it just to, you know, feel acceptable or make them feel comfortable. And they know it. And just like anything else. For you to, if you're a sports, if you're into sports, right, if you watch basketball, you can't become like MJ or LeBron. You can't be, you can't be them unless there's experience, right? If you're a doctor, you can't become a doctor just by reading books. And you don't become a follower of Jesus just by going to Bible school. 
Because you go to Bible school doesn't mean you're a follower of Jesus. It means that you have the knowledge, you have the understanding, but you're not a follower unless there's experience. And this is precisely what James is saying in this text. I don't care how much you know the Bible. You can know it from front to back. You can memorize scripture. But your faith doesn't come from how much you know. The very trials we face reveals the faith that we actually have. So those, tri those trials that come, when we go through them, that's where our faith stands up. That's where our faith says, hey, you know what? I'm alive. And it comes from here to our hearts. And then we can say, hey, you know what? No matter what's going on around me as we're singing the song, you know, I will not be shaken. Because you know where your faith stands. You're someone that's grounded. You just don't know of it. You have experienced it. So because of your experience, you can stand firm. He created, he created you, and he knows, that, he knows the faith you have. So it's not like he's testing you inside of it to say, let me see what you're going to do. No, he knows the faith you have. But this is for yourself to see, wow, look at me. I can stand firm. He knows you from the beginning and the end. But when you stand strong and you show out to other people and they say, man, this guy believe in God, you know, he's going through this, he's going through that. Look how he's reacting. But when you stand firm they, and they know that you're not, in, you're not a person that's usually this strong, but when you stand up in that way, they show, that shows them that God can transform any weak, defeated, or any person that, that may feel not committed into an unmovable mountain. God makes us into mountains that are unmovable. Man can't do that. That's only God. We may run in fear, but it's only God. And the, if we look at Romans 5, uh, 3 and 4, right? I love this scripture. It says that we glorify in our suffering. So we glorify God in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character hope. It's amazing. The purpose of trials with the right perspective is to mature us. To be more like Christ. That's what builds our character. You can't just surrender your heart to God and say, hey, you know what? I'm just like Christ now. No. It's the trials that takes you through, that you go through and you start to trust God that builds your relationship with God. And you understand, whoa, this guy is faithful. I mean, David said it, but I, I didn't know it was like this. Man, I read it about John, but I didn't know it was like this. There's something different when you taste it for yourself. I can tell you how good a food is, but when you taste it, you'll know. And you say, man, there's something about this. There's certain spices in this that I, I would have never gotten by from what you said. But it's only because that I tasted it, I can know the specific ingredients that are included. But that's our God. Right? So in trials, James continues from verse 5, and he says, if you lack wisdom, let him ask God. Who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the wave of a sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded and unstable in all his, in his ways. God has declared a promise over us in this room, over this world, over every person, right? In Jeremiah 29, 11, God says that he has a plan and a future for each and every one of us. That's a, it's already pre-written. God, God loves you so much that even before you were born, he created a plan for you. He says, you know what? I have a story that you're going to walk out. I have a story that I have planned for you. I have a future for you. 
But the only way that we can attain to that, to that is through obedience. Without obedience unto God, that plan and that future that has pre-written before we were even born, we cannot see. So when James says, hey, ask for wisdom, he's not just saying only in trials. He's saying in all things. So for this plan, from the beginning to the end of this plan, for you to walk in this uh, assignment, for you to walk in the fulfillment of that plan, you need to walk in obedience in all things. Not just when, you know, the table falls and we're like, oh, man, I got to pick this up now. No, he said in all things. So when you leave here, the next plan that you make, it goes through God. Everything that you do, it goes through God. God, where does my family go? It goes through him. You don't go to anyone, hey, you know what? I want a job. You know, I want a job that does this for me. Does You know what, God? What do you desire? What do you want? God, my family want to move here. You know what? No, you, you go to God. You can't go to your spouse and say, hey, listen, I think we should do this. Let's make the move. No, your obedience is on to God. And through on to God, that's where everything flows. And that's how you walk in that purpose. That's how you walk out that plan. There's no fulfillment in walking after man. You walk in their, own, in their own plan, what they desire for you. But they're not the creator. Their plan wasn't from the beginning. That's their assumption. So James is saying, we need to ask for wisdom, yes, in trials, but yet in all things. And that's where we need to apply wisdom, wisdom, ask and it will be given, not knowledge, wisdom. Wisdom is so different from knowledge. Wisdom is knowledge applied. When you apply the knowledge that you have from God, that's wisdom. That's the expression of wisdom. When it goes from here into your heart. And then it controls your emotions. And that's big. We have to understand that as people, we are emotional people. We move through emotions. We make decisions out of emotions. And the moment something happens, the moment we move, we respond as emotional people. But unless our emotions are suppressed by the Spirit of God, then we'll make some terrible decisions in life. So it's important to know that we don't move just by knowledge. We don't move just by emotions. But we move by the unction of the Holy Spirit which God has given to us to be the lamp to our feet. You know, I heard it shared before with Bishop, with, uh, with Bishop said, you know, when you have like a GPS, right? A GPS is a sense of direction. Without the Holy Spirit, that's your sen that sense of direction of the GPS, that's what the Holy Spirit does. But if you move according to your emotions, you know how many left and right turns you'll be making? It might, that, that device might blow up because you're just one here, 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 here. And it's all, guess what? It's all steered by thoughts, by people's opinions, by people's suggestions. So it's important to know how to control our emotions and allow the Holy Spirit to move in us. And James says to receive this wisdom, you just simply got to ask. There's nothing, hey, you know what? God might not give it to me. He said, then you'll be double-minded. He said, just simply ask. But if we're honest, God is usually the last person we're asking. We run to the internet, especially now, right? Social media, uh, Google. Google is like the new heaven to certain people. It's like, hey, you know what? What's going on in my life? Let me Google it. I'm sick. Let me Google it. You know, let me see what it says. Any wisdom we want, let me go here. We use Google more than we use the Bible. And that's, that's kind of rough. That wouldn't lead us in a place of walking in our plans in our future. And... Understanding when James says, hey, ask God and he will freely give, 
That lets you know that God is a God of an open hand. He's not a God of a clenched fist. He's not somebody that would hold back from you. He would give you freely. And it doesn't matter, you know, how many times you're asking or you asked before and you didn't take the advice and now you're like, oh, man, you know what? How can I ask again? No, ask again and ask again and ask again because he will freely give. And we all know that, yes, you know, there's relationships that we value in life and, you know, life has a way of pounding on us. And sometimes we may wrestle with doubt. But don't be shameful about it. Christ wants us to realize that we don't have it all together. That's a good place to be. When you wrestle with doubt, it's saying, hey, you know what? I don't have it all together. And that's good. But that's when we surrender and say, God, you know what? I need you. I need you. I need you to take control. I need you to come in. I need to surrender. God, teach me how to surrender. I don't know what it means to surrender. I'm a person that my mind races all day. But guess what? God, I need to know how to surrender. I want to know how to slow down. And he is faithful. He's the God of an open hand. He will show you the way. James continues in 9 uh, through 12, right? He said, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with the scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and, it be, and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to all of those who loves him. So we see here that James now makes a sudden shift in the subject, right? He's went from trials to wisdom, and now he's talking about riches and humility. And I, I love what he's saying, whether rich or poor, your identity doesn't come from, you know, what you have. It doesn't come from what you would do. It comes from your relationship with God. Our identity doesn't come from anything else but God. So the, the, and even right now, as we reevaluate where we are, if our identity doesn't come from God, then we know the trials that we're facing right now, the situations we're facing right now, if we find ourselves flustered, if we find ourselves confused, is because our relationship with, may not be aligned with God. It may be found in someone else. It may be found in something else. It may be found in someone that we look up to or we call dad or we call mom. But if it's not found in Jesus, he said, then your identity doesn't come from anything else. And then James goes on, he says, you know, when you're exalted through trials, if you're a humble brother, boast. And if, you, and if he humbles you, take pride in humiliation, right? Because the cross is leveled. At the, at the cross, there is no rich or poor. There's, no, there's none of that at the cross. It's son, it's daughter. That's what it is. And our wealth doesn't come from the house we have. It doesn't come from how much money. It doesn't come from anything. Our wealth comes from our hearts being surrendered to God. And a lot of us, to be honest, there's times that we store up value on this earth for whatever reason, not knowing that tomorrow it can fade away. So this is a reminder that our wealth is found in God. It's only found in Christ. It's not what is found on stored up here on earth. And as we continue with the scripture, James says, blessed, 
He doesn't say blessed is the man who was never tempted or, you know, he said blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. So what you're saying, James, is blessed if I don't find a way out? Blessed if I, you know, someone tell me what to do when I leave? Blessed for me to stay under trial, under the trial, stay steadfast? Why would I even do that, James? He says because God was refining you. He wants to refine you. He wants to mold you. There are things inside of you that God wants to develop. There's an identity inside of you that God wants to construct. There's people that you have to proclaim this good news to. And unless you go through these trials, you wouldn't be able to do so. In trials, it's God's will, not our will. In trials, God's will is victory. In trials, our will is, this is uncomfortable. I want to get out of here. But in trials, it's God's will. And if God's will is to give us a plan and a future, how much more do you think we need trials? We need to stay in, in, in encouraged. We need to stay vested. And as I mentioned, without having a community, it is going to be extremely difficult to stay under trials. That's why it's important to uh, be in a community. That's why it's important to get into first principle classes. That's why it's important to get into life groups. That's why it's important to get into the community of believers where you can be encouraged, where they would bring you back to the wisdom of God. They wouldn't give you just their, and even they might give you their experience, but at the same time, they'll say, hey, listen, this is what worked for me, but this is what God says. It always has to be pointed back to the scriptures. If it doesn't point back to the scriptures, then it's just mere wisdom from man, which will fade. And the best motive for us to be someone who is remaining steadfast is our love for God. When you love someone, you'll do anything for that person. No matter what it is. When you commit and you say, hey, even when as a teenager, you're like, hey, you know, I love you. And you say these things just because you may hear it, right? But you still promote actions to show how much you love them. Hey, I need you to do this for me. I need you to do that for me. You'll do it because you say, hey, you know what? I feel like I love this person. But it's your love for God as believers, as people who have surrendered their hearts. You're saying, hey, God, I do. The same way that you would exchange vows with your wife when you say, I do, you surrender yourself. You're saying, God, you know, I do. For me to walk out these plans in this, in this future that you have for me, I do. I surrender my heart to you. I surrender my emotions. I surrender my life. It's your love for God that will be the only thing that will keep you remain steadfast in trials. And uh, let's look at John 16, 33. I love this verse. It says, I have told you these things so that in me you would have peace. I have told you these things so that in me you'll have peace. He didn't say in your friend, in your um, aunt, your uncle. No, in me you will have peace. In this world you will have trouble. You will have trouble. Each and every one of us with committed hearts to God, you will have trouble. It's inevitable. Then he goes on to say, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. He didn't say, hey, listen, you know, your friend overcame the world. He said, I have overcame the world. So in me, you will be an overcomer in this world. 
In me, you will be an achiever in this world. In me, you will have victory in this world. In me, and it's only in God, our love for Christ that would keep us remained in him. I was uh, on our um, men's meeting, right? And I heard this awesome, awesome, awesome saying. Um, Bishop actually said, he said, when you surrender your life to God, he comes in your spirit. So when you surrender your life to God, you say, hey, God, you know what? I trust you. I'm going to give you, you know, everything, Lord. He comes into your spirit. And why did I find it so amazing? The reason why I found it so amazing is because he doesn't come into your mind. He doesn't come into your body or your emotions. He comes into your spirit. And it's up to us to build that spirit daily. The spirit of God that he gives to us as we surrender, it's up to us through prayer, through reading, through fasting, through our community, is to build that spirit. So when we find ourselves in these trials, it's the spirit of God that will steer us to victory. You can't just say, hey, you know what? I surrender God. I love you. And you just remain. No, God speaks to us through his Holy Spirit. And that's how we can walk. That's the GPS. If you get in your car, you put your GPS on, you're not going to get to that destination unless you drive. You have, to have dri you have to drive. So in the same way, as you continue to fast and read and pray and get into the community of believers, it will build the spirit of God, which will prompt you to stay steadfast in your trials. And I believe there's a lot of us, I mean, even in this room, yes, that may have surrendered our hearts at once and, or you've never surrendered your heart at all to God and you say, hey, you know what, man, wow, I, I, I need to commit my heart, I need to commit my emotions to God, I need to commit my life to God. So if that's you, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. I want us to close our eyes and I want us to just remain steadfast because I know we're in the house of God. So guess what? This is, is the realm of God. His spirit is moving in our hearts and he's speaking to us. So I want each and every one of us now, if we can, close our eyes and just listen to the still voice of God. We are all in a different season. We all may be facing trials. We all maybe will face trials as we leave this place. And I don't want you to leave unequipped or unprepared. Because God says, in this world, you will have trouble, but he, in him, he, he has overcome the world. So in him, you will become an overcomer. So if you're someone, and I would say, hey, you say, you know what, man, I have to be reconnected to God. I've walked away too far. Or you may say, hey, listen, I want to surrender my heart to God. I want to give you the opportunity today to make that decision to surrender your heart. Make that decision to surrender your emotions. Make that decision to let go and say, God, you know what? Only in you I can become an overcomer. And if that's anyone in this room, I encourage you to raise your hand. Not faithful unto man, but faithful unto God and say, you know what, God? This is me. I'm in a place where I need to surrender. I don't know how to surrender, but I want to give you my heart. We have leaders in this room. They're going to pray with you. And pray you through a place where you can learn how to trust God. Walk with you in how to trust God. So, Lord, we thank you.
for every person in this room, every heart. God, I pray, Father, in Jesus' mighty name, that your word, O God, would not go void, Lord. I pray that everyone would understand, God, that in trials, God, in situations, in circumstances, God, you will never fail, God, as we sing in a worship song. God, that you overcame the world, God. And if you overcome the world and we are in you, God, then we are overcomers also, Lord. God, I pray that every, O God, tongue that confessed that you are Lord right now will know that they will be saved. God, we're overcomers in you. Father, we praise you. We magnify you. And we ask you, God, uh, we just thank you for the young man that did raise his hand, Lord. I pray, God, that you would move upon his heart, Lord. God, and I pray that he would know, God, in this community, God, that he will develop, he will grow, and he will be established in your love, O oh Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. We pray that you were blessed by this word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at resurrectionchurchofny.com or give us a call at 718-436-0242 to follow us on Instagram at reschurchnyc. Take care and God bless.